take a seat, uh, I just want to say, as I was preparing um, for, for this sermon, for this morning, for talking to you guys about this particular topic, I, I guess the brevity of this theme really hit me, and I really felt like God was telling me that someone in this room, someone here in, in this service or in the last service really, really needs to hear this message this morning. So as we start, I guess I just wanted to, to mention that for us to just slow down, prepare our hearts and focus in on what God might be telling us in this moment right now. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll, we'll take a seat and we'll dive straight in. But um, I just really believe that God is going to do something this morning in, in someone's life. Let, let's pray. Father God, Lord, I just pray for these next few minutes to come, Lord. I pray that you just guide our hearts, Lord. You just help us to focus in on you and think about who you are and what it is that we are here to, to discuss, Father. And I pray that you just go before us in all of it. Lord, take any nerves away that I may have, Lord. Make these be your words and not my own. Lord, just go before us. In your son's name I pray. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Ben, thank you so much. You guys can also take a seat as we dive straight in. Now, in case we haven't met before, in case this is your first time here um, at Parkside Church, I just want to say welcome. It's so good to have you here. My name is Kieran. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And uh, you know, this topic is one that I'm really looking forward to. But at the same time, I also recognize um, that it can be a, a bit of a heavy one. So, um, you know, I, I thought I'll just kind of, you know, intro by letting you know that so we're all on the same page and, and we're all on board. Also, I'm going to take a sneaky moment to just give a shout out to um, everyone that's watching this live on Twitch right now. Hey guys, um, there's a camera there. Um, so there you go. But right now, I want to tell you about what we're talking about. Now, lately we've been talking about finding freedom in, in different situations. And this morning, we're talking about finding freedom from fear. So I chose to, to title um, today's sermon, When Fear Strikes. And I'll tell you why, because for me, when I see a topic like this, as a real person in the real world, I, I see it as when fear strikes. Not if fear strikes, not uh, if you're really unlucky and you're having a bad day, you might get worried about things, but you know, there's something wrong with you if you do. I see it as when fear strikes, because I know in my personal life, uh, I know for so many people that I've spoken to, even this morning after our first service when I delivered this talk, I had people come up to me and tell me that so often in life we can be crippled by the things that we're afraid of. And that might not necessarily be, you know, I'm scared that someone's going to break into my house in the middle of the night, but maybe it's just uh, I'm scared about what's, you know, what's around the corner for me. What's my life's purpose? Sometimes it's like we're crying out to God saying, Jesus, I've been praying for this opportunity. Why aren't you giving it to me? I've been praying for this job. Why aren't you giving it to me? I've been praying for this. I'm praying for that. Or, or I'm, I'm seeking you or I'm trying to put you first, but I just keep failing. I just keep struggling. Why, why, why? And we, we, we sometimes can be crippled by these things. So today we're going to talk about a particular story of a group of guys that also had some fears. And, and the way that this story came about is really quite incredible. So what I'm going to ask is if you do have your Bibles with you or your Bible apps or whatever it might be, to turn with me because we're going to be spending a lot of time in this passage. And what we're going to do is we're going to read over that and then we're going to just completely pull it apart and see what it is that we can learn from that. So we're reading from Matthew chapter 14 from verse 22 to 23. So what I'll do is I'll just read the whole thing out and then after that, we'll come back in and start breaking it down. It says this. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. 
Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Now this is a passage that I'm quite familiar with. I'm sure many of you are quite familiar with. We've read this before. We know this. It's the story of Jesus walking on the water and, you know, that, that, that's, that's where we're at. But as I started to unpack this passage, I started realizing there are a lot of things in this that I had never once in my life noticed before. And that's what I want to kind of help us look at, because I think in those subtle nuances, there are things that we can actually pick up on and figure out. And the first one starts with the very first word, immediately. It says immediately after this. Now, pro tip here, anytime you're reading the Bible and you see something that says immediately after this, before you go on to read what's there, See what they're actually talking about. Scroll up on your app, read the page before in your Bible, whatever it might be, but have a look because context is key. This isn't the episodes of a TV show where it starts cleanly and finishes cleanly. This is a part of an ongoing narrative. This is a part of the everyday lives of these guys. And therefore, when immediately after this happens, we need to kind of put ourselves into their shoes, into their minds to think, what was going through their head before this passage even began? So I'm going to give you some context. We're going to rewind a little bit before this story. So essentially, if you rewind just a bit in Matthew chapter 14, what you will see is that John the Baptist has just been killed. He's been beheaded, and news of this has gotten around. And Jesus hears this, and Jesus just says, okay, I'm going to take some time out. I'm going to, I, need to, I need to just go be by myself for a bit and, and do that, which is awesome. And, and Jesus goes to do that, but the problem is when you're as popular as Jesus, people don't want to give him time out. <laughs> you know what I mean? He tries to do that, but a crowd, a multitude of people follow after him. And Jesus, being more patient than you and I, instead of saying, can you just leave me alone and locking the door, Jesus takes pity on them and starts to heal them and care for them, even though he did you know, try and, and have that time. But right there, he, he starts healing these people, and then all of a sudden it's getting dark. It's evening now, after a whole day of doing this, it's evening now, and then, the, then in that moment, he goes, these people are hungry, we need to feed them, and then the miracle happens of the 5,000 people that he fed with very uh, little resources. If you haven't read that amazing story, go have a look. But essentially, Jesus feeds 5,000 men and even more women and children, um, a, a huge miracle, an amazing miracle. And his disciples were all there, they witnessed this, this is an amazing moment, but this only happened in the evening, Okay. That's the part that I want us to focus on. This happened in the evening. After that is when we dive into this story. So immediately after this, so it's evening already. It's taken however long it takes to feed 5,000 people. I assume that's not a quick process. They, they ate their fill. They collected the baskets. And then Jesus says, all right, get back into the boat. And um, it, it says, get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while Jesus sent the people home. 
So it wasn't just sit in the boat. It was go to the other side. I'll, I'll meet you there. While Jesus went up into the hills to pray by himself. Now, what it then says is that night fell while Jesus was on that mountainside praying. So therefore implying that when the disciples were sent away, the sun was still up, obviously, because it was only afterwards that night fell. Meanwhile, while Jesus is on this mountainside, the disciples were in trouble, and the strong wind came, and the waves came, and, and all these things started to happen, okay? And then here's the thing. It says that at about three o'clock in the morning, this is in the NLT translation, by the way, but at about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water. Context. Context, so important. When they get on the boat, the sun hasn't gone down yet. When Jesus actually walks up to them, three o'clock in the morning, that's a lot of hours. Now, this is taking place on a particular piece of water called the Sea of Galilee, which is a cute name because it's not a sea at all. It's a lake, and it's actually not that big. I've been there on a boat in the middle of this body of water, and whenever I read this story, I'm thinking Sea of Galilee, like you can't even see land in any direction, right? That's what I'm always visualizing. I get there, and I'm like, this really isn't that big. Like, I, I Googled it for you just to get some stats, and it's about 23 kilometers in length, um, and about, I think it was 13 in, in width. So if you're in the middle, half those numbers is how long it would take you to, to get to wherever. Really not that much distance, especially if you're in a boat. It's definitely not going to take you very long to cross this. Yet why is it that these disciples are still in the water, still in the boat, at three in the morning, after many, many, many hours have passed from the time that Jesus said, head over to the other side. Think about it. If I went up to you and I said, hey, I'll meet you in Liverpool. Um, I'll, I'll see you there. Go on ahead without me. I'm just going to do something and I'll meet you in Liverpool. You're not going to get to Mount Pritchard and then just stop there and hang out waiting for me, are you? No, of course not. You're going to be going to, to the place that was agreed on. You're going to be going there. The disciples in this story, they're still in transit, and the fact that it's been that many hours, what that tells me is when this passage describes wind and waves, that's a lot of wind. That's a lot of wind to keep these experienced men stuck in this position. It says that the wind was blowing against them, so they're trying to go that way, and it's pushing them this way. So now, all of a sudden, I read this passage, and it's, a, it's, it's almost a different story. Now, we've got a group of guys that are fatigued, that are tired, that are sleep-deprived, that probably when they got in the boat thought, all right, quick 30 minutes and we'll be over on the other side. And all of a sudden, here they are many, many hours later, no sign of Jesus, no sign of getting to the shore, and they're, they're battling this, they're terrified. In that moment, they probably felt pretty hopeless, let's be real. And yet that's when Jesus walks across. So in that moment of desperation, they see this figure walking on water, now, that in itself is terrifying. Of course, it says that they, they literally cried out, it's a ghost. They, they, they're, they're freaking out. But then they hear the voice of Jesus, the voice that they recognize, saying, don't be afraid, take courage, I'm here. And then Peter. I love Peter. I really do. Like, Peter then responds, saying, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. You would think that most people that recognize their friend in the water when you're the one in the boat wouldn't say, let me go to you. <laughs> you would think they would say, hey, Jesus, we've got a boat. Like, do you need a hand? Throw out the rescue rope, you know, whatever it is, and say, come to me. But instead, and I love this, for some reason in Peter's mind, he's looking at this saying, I'm on a boat. This is designed to keep me out of the water. Yet, 
I feel like it's safer ground where Jesus is, even though there's no boat where Jesus is. So Peter literally has the audacity and the faith to say, Jesus, if this is you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Man, I love that. And the fact that later on in this passage, he's referred to as having doubt is amazing. And I think there are things we can learn from that. But in that moment, Jesus says to him, yes, come. Come. He, he gives him the invitation. He says, come to me. And then the next line, this is verse 29, beautiful. So Peter went over the side of the boat. This boat is rocking. The waves are there. The other disciples are probably thinking, mate, what are you doing? But he gets over and he actually begins to walk. He walked on water toward Jesus. But then he saw the wind and the waves. He started to think about the circumstances around this. He started to think practically. He started to think realistically. He started to not focus on the fact that Jesus told him to do something, but instead he focused on what he thought he already knew. Hold on. This is water. I can't stand on water. How am I standing on water? And next thing you know, the man starts to sink. He starts to fall in. And then he cries out, save me, Lord. See, you know what I love about that? The wording. Save me, Lord. We see this and we go, you know, oh, you know, Peter, why did you doubt? Why didn't you just fix your eyes on Jesus? This is a man that if you went up to him and asked him, he would probably tell you, I never doubted that it was Jesus. I, I always knew that it, it was Jesus. He said, save me, Lord. He didn't say, save me, stranger. He said, save me, Lord. He, he's like, this is Jesus. But the thing that he doubted wasn't that this was Jesus. It was what that actually meant. What the, what the scope of that was, the fact that this is Jesus, what he's doubting here is, okay, if this is Jesus, what does that mean for my life? What does that mean for me? And what that meant for him is that he can trust Jesus. And that it's not just a, here's Jesus, great, but it's a, I can actually do what this man has said and know that I have the, the, the confidence in that. But the thing that I love is that Peter actually called out. You know, he didn't just sink and go, well, it's game over for me. Or he didn't also turn around to the other disciples on the boat and say, throw me a rope. Instead, he went, the one way out of this situation is the man who was walking on water. That is the man. That is the man that I need to turn to right now. He's the one that I need to ask to save me. And he did. And you know, something else that I love from just that little part right there is simply this. You think about it. All right, again, put yourself in that position. Put yourself in that mindset, in that situation. You're on this boat, and, and the wind is there, and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, the, the Sea of Galilee is actually the, the, the lowest, salt, oh, sorry, lowest freshwater lake in the entire world. So it's, it's at a very low altitude, 209 meters below sea level, and there are mountains around it. So if you know much about kind of the, the way wind and stuff works, that corridor gets a lot of wind. This is not an irregular occurrence. And so in that moment, in that moment right there, I love this. I really do. You just think about the noise. Think about the noise. If you've ever been in a really windy corridor, or maybe even in your house, have you ever had the wind so loud that windows are shaking? I know. I mean, at, at, at church upstairs in our offices, the slightest breeze, and it feels like the roof is alive. It's terrifying. Um, but that's the thing, right? Wind is powerful. Here, the wind is so powerful that it's kept them in the same kind of location for that many hours. It was loud. Water is splashing. They are yelling. They were literally, it says they cried out that this is a ghost. There's so much noise, yet somehow when he drops and he says, save me, Lord, how did Jesus hear him? 
And I love that because I think about that in relation to our lives. And I'm like, sometimes in life, things are noisy. (laughs) Sometimes in life, things are really difficult to understand and to grasp because there's so much background noise. There's so much going on in life that things are are shaky. And it's like, I can't even focus my thoughts. And I try and pray and I get distracted because this person's calling me and my boss is angry at me and this is happening and that's happening and all these different things are there. There's so much noise. And even if I did manage to cry out to God, he probably wouldn't even hear me. There's just so much there. But here, it's like, you know what? In this passage, there was so much noise. And yet, Jesus heard him. All he said was, save me, Lord. And Jesus immediately responds. And I'm just like, that is the God that we serve, the God that even in our quietest whisper hears us, even if practically and logically we go, oh, well, surely not. But God says, don't doubt me. And he quite literally goes on to say that Jesus reached out and grabbed him. As soon as he said, save me, Lord, Jesus immediately immediately reaches out and grabs him and says, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? I look at that and I go, anyone else, anyone else in that situation would have been looking at the what you see is what you get side of things, i.e. when you reach out and help this person. you know, uh, I'm glad that Jesus didn't just turn to him and say, bro, who taught you how to swim? You know what I mean? Like, why, why would you hop out of the boat? Instead, he doesn't talk about the practicality of, you know, you should swim and, you know, here's your life vest and whatever. He just says, why did you doubt me? He's like, you didn't have to fall in. Like, why, why, why did you doubt me? Because Peter took his eyes off the prize. He took his eyes off the, the one that he was following, the one that called him, the one who makes the impossible possible. And in that moment, Jesus doesn't address those practical things. He addresses the faith question. He's like, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And I think that is just such a powerful, powerful imagery. Um, In fact, if I could um, be so bold, could I ask the band to just kind of hop up for me? Because we, I've got a little bit more of this um, story that I want to mention to you, but there's a song that we're going to sing in just a moment. In fact, it's the song that we just sang earlier. It's a song called Oceans. I know a lot of you love this song, um, but I think it's just such a fitting thing to, to sing and to think about based off this passage. But before we get there, though, here's the thing. That final verse of this, in verse 32, it says, When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. In that moment, right here, right here in this situation, these are the disciples They just hung out with Jesus while he fed 5,000 plus people. The day, like right before that, he healed so many people. Spoiler alert, right after this passage, when he gets to the other side of the lake, eventually he sees even more people and heals all of them. They've seen countless miracles. They've seen so many things. They know this. They've heard the stories. They've seen it in real life. And yet through all of that, only here and only now, they're starting to come to terms with this saying, you really are the Son of God. I look at that and I'm like, you know what? I think we're very similar, the disciples and and, and us. Because so many times we've seen God pull through. We've seen it in other people's lives. We've seen it in our own lives, maybe. We've seen the stories of it in the Bible. We, We know of testimonies and different things where people, you know, have God absolutely radically change their lives. We know this. We see this but we just kind of fail to understand it or grasp it or, or really apply it to our own individual lives. 
like I said, when, when I was prepping this yesterday, I genuinely, genuinely felt like God was telling me that there is there are people in this room right now. There are, there are people wherever they may, may be that really do feel like they're drowning right now. Maybe not physically, but the weight of the world is just crashing in and it just seems like no matter what you try, there's no hope, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. How come this keeps on failing? How come this isn't going well? What's with it? Why, why, why does this need to happen? Why me, God? Why me, Jesus? It's like, Jesus, I, I applied for that job because you told me. You told me that this is what I needed, but then how come I got rejected for the interview? Why? Why, why, why? You know, and I, I look at that and I go, you know what? I reckon Peter probably asked a similar question. Maybe. I don't know. I know I would. Where after the fact, I wonder if Peter ever looked back and said, hey, Jesus, if I was going to fall in anyway, why would you let me take those first few steps? Like, why let me walk on water at all if I can't even walk all the way up to you? Why, why give me this little bit if, if that's what was to come? Why open this door if afterwards you're going to close it? But I think the thing that I love about that is that that's not the point. The point is trusting in what Jesus' plan is, not in what our own plan is. Even if we think that we've got it made, even if we think that we know what the go is, I think so many of us can relate to that sentiment of we thought life was going this way and then it took a sharp right turn or this happened or that happened. And sometimes like I know that this is a difficult passage and this is a difficult concept to trust God in that fear because sometimes we don't want to. My, my wife and I, for those of you that know us well, there have been things throughout the last few years that like have made life just kind of like, man, you just want to run. You, you just want things to change. And yet, Somehow we stayed afloat, not because we're good swimmers, but because of Jesus and, and, and because of doing that. And I'm far from perfect at this. When I say this, I am preaching to the choir. I'm telling you right now. I was talking to a few people earlier and I was like, I'm really nervous to get up and preach today. And that's weird because normally I'm, I'm not really nervous. Like I, I, I love what we do here, but I'm like the irony of the fact that I'm getting up. To talk about freedom from fear, and I'm fearful of how to deliver this message. But I was just like, nah, I, I need, I need to click it in gear here. I need to kind of kick myself in the butt and say, hey, look, if you're going to say this, you got to live this. You got to, you got to believe this. And right there, I, I think that is exactly that. That the, you know, I, I don't think that anyone is in this room by accident right now. Or for those that are watching online, I don't think that you clicked the link by accident right now. Uh, I think that God is trying to talk to people and God is trying to say to people, look, whatever that difficult situation is, trust me, hold on to me. In the middle of the noise, even when it's all crazy, even when it's all rough, even when life is, is going everywhere, that Jesus is the answer, that He is the factor, that He is the one thing that stays consistent. The same Jesus that reached out and grabbed Peter by the arm, that same Jesus, that same God that we serve, He's consistent and He is there. And if we feel like we're drowning, as Peter cried out, save me, Lord, I think that is the call for myself as an individual. I think that is the call for each of us that in that situation to cry out, to reach out, to say, God, I am drowning. Save me. And immediately, he reaches out. I just think that it's such a powerful thing, guys. I really do. So here's, here's what we're going to do. Right? We're going to respond in worship. But today, I'm going to ask something a little bit different. 
a little bit different. Normally, what we would say is, could everyone stand and sing and all that kind of stuff? But the reason why we, we asked the band to do the same song earlier is because this time around, can I just ask if you are in a situation where you just need to hear from God or you need to just cry out to God or you need to do that, don't worry about singing along, okay? Just, just take a moment. Take a moment of quietness in your own heart. Take a moment. If you want to stay seated, stay seated. That's fine. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to think twice about it. If you don't want to sing along, that's totally fine. But all I encourage you to do is when those lyrics are on the screen in just a moment, read them and think about what it's saying. Because in the last service, that's what I did. And I'm telling you right now, God just hit me. Because I was just like, whoa. I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. And not from me, from, from Him. And so in this time, I'm, I'm going to encourage that we do that. Can, let me just pray for us right now. And then after that, um, we're going to just take some time to just reflect and think about where we are at in that journey. Father God, I just pray right now for every single person that can hear this, Lord, that they start to forget about the words that I say, but they start to listen to the words that you say that they remember your promises, that they remember that you love them and that you care for them and that no matter what it is going on in their lives, that you are there, that you are consistent, that you are an arm's breadth away, that you will reach out if they call out to you, Lord, that you are right there in the thick of it, no matter what it is that's going on, no matter how hopeless we might feel, no matter how crazy the wind and the waves are, that you are there, Lord. And I just pray that if there's even one person right now that needs to to feel that escape and, and to, to have that love, Lord, they can just come to understand you. And you just speak to them, Lord. Just speak to them and help them to feel that you really are holding them and holding them close, Father. And I just pray that you can just help us in this moment, Lord. Thank you that we could be here and that we could do this together and journey this together. Give us the courage and the strength that we need to press forward in your son's precious and holy name, I pray.